Welcome to the Newtown Business Association's Business School Podcast. Our goal is to help you make the most of your business by providing you with information and advice from fellow NBA members. I'm your host, Rodney Warner. Thanks for joining us on the Business School Podcast. I'm your host, Rodney Warner. Today, we're going to talk about businesses reopening after operations were limited in response to the COVID-19 virus. Today, we're going to talk about potential legal issues that could come up with NBA board member, attorney, and author, Scott Fegley. Scott has been practicing law since 1987 and has an office in Yardley. He helps clients with personal injury, employment law, and business law matters. And thank you for coming on the podcast, Scott. Thanks for having me, Rodney. I appreciate the opportunity. No problem. When did you open your office in Yardley? 2002. 2002. There's all kinds of legal issues that can come up when you're owning and operating a business. And whether or not this is just another normal day, or maybe this should be especially scary for business owners, as far as reopening and COVID-19, you know, what are your business clients asking you about? What do they, what do they want to know? First of all, in terms of my own practice and how we have reopened our actual uh, in-person office presence, basically we're just using common sense. I give all clients the opportunity to choose between a Zoom video conference, now that we have that uh, technological ability to do that, they feel more comfortable just doing it that way, we'll still do it that way. But then I uh, give clients the options to uh, request to wear a mask if they come in, and if they do not wish to wear a mask in a conference room, then I close the door and we talk without a mask. I have hand sanitizer available and I disinfect the conference room table and chairs before and after every conference. Other than that, those are the simple precautions that I use, that it's going to vary from business to business. If you have a healthcare business, if you have a gym, you're going to have to take uh, more extensive precautions than someone like myself who just has a conference room. Uh, So it's going to depend on the type of business you have, But it really, I think, just comes down to some common sense precautions and how your clients' comfort levels are. And as far as legal issues, have have people been asking you about COVID-19 and what they should do and how it impacts their business? Have you had any any conversations like that with, with clients? My clients haven't asked me about liability related questions and what they should be doing to avoid liability but they have been asking questions with regard to employment issues for example employer clients uh, who are ready to rev up and get going and uh, wish to uh, bring their employees back to work Uh, but the employees don't want to come back to work because perhaps they're getting more on unemployment, how to handle a situation like that. Employees who may still have leave problems or childcare and and problems that uh, may extend leaves, 
things of that nature. Those are the kind of questions that I've been fielding from employer clients as well as employee clients on the uh, other side. You know, when do we have to go back to work if we don't feel comfortable going back to work? Do we still have to go back to work? Those are the kind of questions I've been getting most. And what are the answers to some of those questions? Can an employee who refuses to come back, can that person be fired? Well, it's not a firing, Rodney. They quit. It's a voluntary quit. Uh, And yes, I think all employees should be aware of that. Uh, Unemployment is for when you are really unemployed. And if you are offered your job back, despite the circumstances that uh, have prevailed lately where some people in fact were receiving more because of the COVID-19 relief than they were had they been full-time employed, you still cannot refuse to go back to your job. And an employee who would refuse to do so to continue to receive unemployment benefits could wind up losing both their job and the unemployment benefits. If an employee comes back and the staff comes back, Should an employer have any fears about potentially being sued or legal action by employees if they think they contracted the virus while at work? Again, I think it comes back to plain old common sense. The COVID-19 situation is not going to change years, centuries of common law with regard to negligence and burden of proof. So anyone who would unfortunately contract COVID-19, become ill, uh, is first going to have to demonstrate, number one, where did they get it? Uh, and and that's, that could be a difficult uh, challenge in and of itself. And number two, uh, you know, was their employer or was the business where they believe that they contracted COVID-19 negligent in its practices? Once again, it's going to depend business to business. Hospitals and healthcare facilities, uh, things like that, are going to have to take much more strenuous measures than retail establishments. As far as employees go, uh, the generalized fear of of coming down with COVID-19 is not going to be a reason to say, I don't want to work, as long as employers respect their comfort levels by providing protective equipment, you know, masks now are not very expensive, they're readily available, Uh, having hand sanitizer stations, uh, that's uh, an easy thing to do. Uh, So, you know, employers would probably be well advised to at least take those simple steps. I don't think employers necessarily need to go to the extent of setting up, you know, plexiglass cubicles around everybody. But again, I think it's it's a business-to-business type situation that has to be evaluated. And as far as an employee is concerned, you know, if, if there's going to be an issue with getting sick on the job, then that's probably going to have to be a worker's comp claim. It, that would it, be a worker's comp claim. That's so correct. So it's not an issue that they can go to court with. And just as it is with a negligence action, they would have to also show that the workplace was the source of the virus, not that they got it while shopping or at home or doing other things. That is absolutely correct. I just had a call from someone today who was diagnosed with COVID-19, was in the hospital, apparently one of the more serious cases, uh, but fortunately recovered, was out of 
work for two months and she put in a workers' compensation claim and it was denied. Now, in this particular case, which by the way, I should you know let your listeners know I am not a workers' compensation attorney. Uh, so I referred this particular case out. She worked in a healthcare facility. She worked at a rehab facility where she had uh, a lot of senior uh, patients. And I think in a situation like that, you know, that she has much stronger ability to prove that she contracted it there. I mean, where else is she going to get where she has the, a high risk there because of being exposed to people who had COVID-19 there. Uh, to say that she just could have picked it up at the grocery store when she went to the grocery store, I think that would be a little far-fetched. Uh, but if you have an employee at a retail establishment who, let's say, comes down with COVID-19, and there's no history that any person documented with COVID-19 you know, walked into their establishment, how is she going to prove that she obtained or contracted came down with the disease at work versus the store versus wherever i should also mention that uh, everything that i've read and heard so far is that the community spread is very 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 limited most people who are getting covid19 are getting them in nursing homes and hospitals and healthcare facilities um, and unfortunately you know in the senior communities just the regular community spread, you know, from going around to your grocery shopping, retail, that is not happening very much. Depending on the business, it might be, you know, an atmosphere where there's only employees there, or there could be customers coming in and out. That's correct. You know, what are the rules as far as a customer coming in and later on claiming that being at such and such a business uh, resulted in them getting in this this kind of infection. What can a business owner do to prevent that? And what kind of legal defenses might there be against such a claim? Rodney, I don't believe that a business owner really has to be worried about something like that because unless they do something really stupid, like allow somebody who is known to have COVID-19 actively, you know, work, then how is somebody going to walk into a retail establishment, walk out, and later prove that's where they came down with the disease? I, I just don't see that happening. It is too difficult to prove. I mean, I just referred to this case where the woman worked in a healthcare facility with COVID-19 patients, and the workers' compensation company is denying the claim. You know, I think that's a good case. That's one that I, as a workers' comp attorney, I think they would be interested in. But somebody that just walks into a retail establishment and later finds out that they have the disease, how are they going to prove that they got it there? I keep coming back to plain old common sense. Yes, in this situation that we have now, you know, we should make some masks available for employees. You should keep some hand sanitizer readily available for employees. And again, it's business to business determination. Every business owner should look around their office, talk to their employees. Good idea to have a meeting with employees and see what their various comfort levels are. I've uh, talked about that with a couple of my clients because it's it's good idea to have feedback. If the employees feel like they've been listened to, that their comfort levels are being respected and, and they're okay with the certain precautions. You know, I talk with my own employees. Uh, 
do they do they feel that we should be wearing masks? I said, no, we're, we're okay without wearing masks around the office. But when we have somebody come in, yeah, I'd like to put them on. No problem. It's advice for, for clients for any number of areas. It's, it's don't be stupid. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Stupidity is a bad thing. And, and, not yep. just, and not just the legal issue. There's any number of legal issues that could come up. And one of those is, is contract issues. Now, maybe because of the shutdown, if I'm running a business, I couldn't get a supply of something from somebody else. Or maybe I couldn't live up to a contract. I was supposed to give something to somebody else. But I've got this government order. I've got to shut down. All kinds of stuff has happened since, since, this, uh, since this virus you know, became such a big issue. There may or may not be a clause or language which is commonly known as force majeure. Could you explain what that means? Force majeure is a fairly common contract clause, especially in a lot of more complex commercial agreements, especially like leases. And what it simply says, it's an out for the generally the stronger party like the landlord that if something happens that's way beyond their control like a, a huge storm and just this type of situation a pandemic a government shutdown where they cannot fulfill their contractual obligations they still cannot be sued so a force majeure clause like that in in most contracts you know protects the parties from being sued for what's out of their control. But I don't think the absence of such a clause necessarily means that because somebody cannot fulfill a contractual obligation due to something extraordinary uh, like this pandemic means that they're still liable just because that clause wasn't in the document. So, uh, you know, every contract is going to have to, again, be evaluated on its own language and, and the circumstances of the breach or alleged breach. But, you know, this is such an extraordinary situation that we, we certainly I have never dealt with in my lifetime. I think a force majeure clause is the be all end all. I don't good if it's in there, but I don't think it's uh, going to result in liability against somebody if it's not. When you're reviewing or creating a contract, is that kind of on your checklist as far as whether or not this language is in the contract? It always depends, again, on what kind of contract I'm writing. I don't put it into employment contracts. I see it, again, frequently, and I do have it in more complex leases, an asset purchase agreement maybe, but generally not the employment agreements that I draft. It's not appropriate in that type of agreement. And another issue which may or may not help businesses is their insurance coverage. Well, many, many insurance policies that, that businesses will purchase will have what's called business interruption protection. Yes. And I think for the average business owner, they haven't memorized what's in their business policy. Right. And they may think, okay, I've got this business interruption coverage and my business was interrupted. Right. So they might think, well, thank God I bought this insurance policy, but the reality is a lot more complicated or a lot more negative than a, than a business owner would probably like it to be. It is. Again, an insurance policy is a contract like any other, and it depends on the language in the contract. 
in the business interruption clause specifically. Uh, and so I have encouraged business owners online and, and in my personal discussions with clients to take your policies out and take a look and read them and see what they say. The couple that I have reviewed personally, unfortunately, were quite detailed. Uh, they, they were for, they were both for medical offices. Not only did they specifically say that business interruption coverage only was available if there was a physical loss in the office itself, it also excluded a physical loss as a result of a virus. So uh, there was no way I could uh, interpret the language of these particular policies in any other way to provide any kind of coverage. But that doesn't mean that some policy somewhere is vague enough to be construed to provide coverage in a situation like this. It all comes down to the language. Now, I understand, uh, while I'm not usually one to feel sorry or support insurance companies in a, in a situation like this pandemic, if the insurance companies were to be held responsible to pay for everyone's business interruption, uh, we'd see a lot of insurance companies going under because, you know, that costs of the business interruption. I mean, just imagine like, you know, Phillies baseball, uh, what costs they've incurred uh, since they haven't been able to play games. Or uh, you, you can just think up a number of different businesses, all the theaters that are closed. And insurance companies ended up having to pay for, you know, all of the profits, whatever, that would normally have been earned during this period of time. We wouldn't have a lot of insurance companies left. It's my understanding from what I've read that there may be policies out there that cover business interruption because of some kind of government action. They may. And it may or may not need to have some kind of connection to, like you said, some kind of physical loss. But, you know, once again, this is a really good area for people to read the policies and if they have any questions to contact an attorney. Well, absolutely. They should bring out their policy, read it, Ask an attorney to read it and give him an opinion. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't cost anything. I've been reading these policies and giving opinions for free. So it's just a matter of pulling it out. If the language is there that supports a claim, go ahead and make the claim. Uh, I'm sure there's probably going to be some litigation arising out of this where people think the language does support it. The insurance company still says no. A couple of I've read, as I said so far, they were they were really clear in terms of how they define business interruption, and I just could not justify any action or making a claim in those cases, but that doesn't mean to say that there's some policies out there that aren't written more favorably for the business owner. So as far as uh, COVID-19 and uh, businesses uh, hopefully coming back to life, is there anything else you want to add? Well, I am very hopeful to see businesses reopening as soon as possible and getting back to uh, you know, the way business was prior to middle March. I, I don't believe that business owners should be fearful of reopening and getting back to their ways of operating before mid-March, just with those, uh, the caveat of being careful, just with the caveat of taking some simple steps, uh, as, as I've spoken earlier, to use common sense. Certainly, if you have anybody who's ill, don't let them come to work. Just those common sense kind of things. But as long as business owners do that, it's happy to get back out and uh, enjoy a, a dinner out at a restaurant. Unfortunately, uh, 
well, it was a very nice night, so it was great to be outdoors and outdoor seating. But yeah, these businesses uh, and business owners and clients that I've had uh, really hurting, really, really hurting, even with extraordinary types of government relief that uh, have been available. But yeah, I'm, I'm really anxious to see business owners reopening, and I encourage them to do so. So if someone wants to contact you, how can they do that? Certainly by phone, 215-493-8287, or online. My email is scott at fegleylaw.com, F-E-G-L-E-Y-L-A-W.com, and my website is fegleylaw.com. And certainly anybody can go to my website and contact me through the website, read all about my practice on the website and what services I have to offer there. And I appreciate your time, Scott. And, you know, thanks for, thanks for dropping in electronically. As, as we're, Thank you, Rodney. As, uh, this is becoming more of the norm. I, I have never been a, you know, a, a really comfortable with technology, but I guess this just goes to show you can teach an old dog new tricks. That's right. We need to, we need to learn, you know, it's, it's been a learning experience. And I'd, I'd like to thank every listener for learning how to uh, tune into the uh, Business School podcast for the uh, Newtown Business Association. Please continue to tune in. Please subscribe. Greatly appreciate your uh, listening and your time. And until next time, this is Rodney Warner for the Newtown Business Association. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Newtown Business Association's Business School Podcast. You can learn more about the NBA and join the association at newtownba.org. That's www.newtownba.org.